The Bears finally snapped the five-game losing streak, which is really surprising because it's the first time since October 10th that the Bears have won a game in Detroit. We hope y'all had a happy, safe, as well as healthy Thanksgiving. Hope your turkey was nice and moist, not super dry, as awkward as that sounded. Also, what's up, guys? Welcome into the Fireside Bears podcast. I'm Sabe Koshal, Joe Herf, and Sam Stevenson. You can follow us on Twitter, YouTube, Facebook, TikTok, and Instagram at Fireside Bears. Check out myself, Joe, and Sam at Usaid Koshot, Joseph Herb NFL, and at Chai Sports Sam on Twitter. It's our weekly episode brought to you by Empire Sports Media. We're going to be breaking a lot of different things down today, including the significance of injuries for guys like Roquan Smith as well as Marquise Goodwin. On paper, are the Bears really that far away from being a playoff team? What about rookie Tevin Jenkins, who's got a week left before the Bears make a decision on whether or not to activate him or fully shut him down? We're going to have Herb's hot takes, Sam stocks, and so much more. But first things first, Sam, how are you doing today? And I know Joe created his own memo, so I want to hear your opinion and thoughts on that, too. Uh, we yeah, just, I feel like I should go first. This is my memo. Uh, well, I, I want to go first. I'm pissed. I'll be honest. You guys both picked memos for like the past three weeks. I finally oh, picked one. Hold on, hold on, hold on. I object. I tried to pick the memo last week for Crewnex, and you guys just vetoed it and went hoodies, and then I got roasted last weekend. Well, and now you're wearing a crew neck. I'm wearing a hoodie. You're wearing a cutoff, and everyone's mad at everyone. In, in our defense, we vetoed it and let you know that it would no longer be the memo. But, but that, 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 that's what happened. Decision this week. So I yes, it was my turn to pick the theme of the pocket. You know what? We're gonna do that. Oh, now you know we have a theme. That's what we're gonna do. So my theme this week was cutoffs, and nobody followed through, and nobody said they weren't gonna do it. They just said we should do this instead. I said no, we're doing cutoffs. No, and you, you did. said that we were gonna wear sweatshirts instead of cutoffs, and then I said cutoff hoodies, and you said either works. Yeah, cutoff hoodies, like the hoodies that are cutoffs. All right, well, if you like, if I put my arm down here, it just looks like half my sleeves cut off. You can't even tell. Okay, no one wears those. Absolutely not. No, no one wears oh, the cut off. No, anymore. I know people who wear people them. People do. And I, I they're they're the know you said that day. They're the cringiest thing in the world. It's, it's, you have to have a very, not, nope. I can't even say it like that. No, I, they're not. Nobody can get away with them. You know what? You know what? There's a there's an old look my dad was telling me about. Uh, it was in Beverly Hills, Beverly Hill Cop, uh, Beverly Hills Cop. I don't remember what the movie title was called. Where it's like the cut off, cut off, uh, crew neck. Cut off, like yeah, the cut off, like. But it was like half whatever like, like, uh, crop top. That's what it is. Yeah, they're like XL hoodies though. They're yep. like baggy. Yeah, that look should come back. Agreed. Yeah, it just sounds dumb. Absolutely not. Okay. And by the way, I'm, I'm just going to say this. I think the reason I went to Sam first is because I really don't know who Joe thinks he is kind of marching in here. He's not even a veteran podcaster for Fireside Bears yet or Ooh. the Barely Hibernating podcast. And yet here he is creating his own memo. Like, absolutely like, yeah, we're not. He's here. You listen to us, young man. Young man, I'm older we than you. built this podcast from the ground up. I mean, yeah. technically, it was my idea, and then I brought Sam on, and then a couple other people. But yeah, you get the point. Now, okay, focus on what we're supposed to be doing today. So I'm gonna go to Samuel Stevenson on this first. Which, by the way, I commented on TikTok about possibly getting a seat next year at the Stevenson Family Thanksgiving. It's being debated. Yeah, I, I didn't get a response. I don't know what it was, dude. At first, you know what's funny? So that video came up, and I think it's your sister. That's like. 
holding the camera and you guys are doing whatever trend that is right and i swear to god i didn't even know oh, it was no. i didn't even know it was your sister oh, that's no. the funniest thing yeah oh, i love that no. okay um I'll, I'll i'll briefly interject here so the reason why i didn't respond was because i don't have tiktok notifications on because i don't use tiktok for any professional reason right now i just use it for for fun and so when i saw the message i was like ah it's, it's been like 19 hours i don't really know if like I should toss a response out there, um, which is not a good excuse, but it is what it is. And hey, that video got like over 100 likes. It was a bang. I'm going to find this video. It's a good video. Uh, the reason why my sister had to start it, though, is because we kept messing it up. So she kind of took over. She's more of the TikTok expert than I am. Yeah, we, yeah. we should hire her to like, or I should have her come on board to do Fireside Bears TikToks because I'm trying to find someone for that right now. Otherwise, I'll just do it myself. But anyways, getting back to the significance of injuries for Roquan Smith and Marquise Goodwin here for the Bears. I mean, Sam, hit me. What's going on here? What's the significance of all this? Because you have a roster that doesn't have talent and depth's already being tested. So what's up, man? I mean, so I'll start Goodwin first because it's a little bit more of a shorter blurb for me. It's tough that he went out of the game on Thursday because he was starting to kind of hit his stride a little bit. The Bears brought Goodwin in to kind of be that wide receiver three, more of a vertical threat to allow Mooney and Robinson to kind of be more of the route runners. Um, and honestly, with both Fields and Dalton, like he was really starting to like kind of get in his rhythm a little bit. Um, I know he's an older wide receiver though too, so like the, the, the longevity of the game has definitely taken its toll a little bit. Um, hopefully with Robinson being back, uh, this week, I know that thing's been confirmed, but I hopefully with the longer break, he'll be back. I, I think the Bears are going to be okay. Um, what I would say is, is that if Goodwin's not able to go, I would expect, I'm not going to say expect, I would hope that the Bears would utilize more tight, uh, double tight end sets using both Jimmy Graham, uh, who looks like kind of his former self a little bit on Thursday. Uh, Cole Komet, who I believe was the Bears leader uh, in receptions on Thursday. I, that might be wrong i feel like he had like a lot um and jesse james is a guy that i absolutely like um expect demir bird and jakeem grant to get a bigger role in this offense i think the bears utilized isaiah coulter is how you say his last name that's practice squad guy from the texans who's a 2020 fifth round pick from last year um he got the nod over rodney adams which i know a lot of bears fans were upset about but we'll see if he potentially gets any role in this offense but yeah, I mean, obviously it sucks in that regard because the offense was clicking a little bit with Dalton. Well, obviously I'm hopeful Fields will be back. Roquan is way more significant, though. I, I mean, Roquan being hurt is like if you see someone walking in the street with crutches and you take their crutches away and then you stand them back up and then you trip them again and then you walk away with the crutches, um, it's bad. Uh I will bring you guys back. We'll go kind of rewind in time. Uh, Bears playoffs against the Saints last year, wild card game. Uh, no Roquan Smith. Uh, Bears uh, utilized Monte Teo uh, as one of their starting inside linebackers. And while well, obviously um, we were all very encouraging of him, he didn't look very good. And the Bears ultimately got gutted by a Saints offense that wasn't that good. Um when Roquan's not in the game, the defense just looks like a shell of itself that it already is. He is, without a doubt, the most fundamental cog in this machine. Um, when he got hurt, I believe it was in 2019 as well, or maybe it was 2018. I might have the years confused. Again, the defense still didn't look as good. 
it is literally and figuratively a huge gap in the defense um, because obviously he plays middle linebacker, play on words there. But And the Bears just don't really have any good depth behind him. Danny Trevathan on injured reserve. Uh, Alex Ogletree has been okay. Christian Jones. And, like, again, neither of those guys have been on the same level as Roquan Smith, and neither of them will be because, again, and this will be my last point I'll bounce it to you here, Joe, Roquan Smith is the best interior linebacker in the NFL, and I will stand by that statement until it's no longer true. Yeah. Uh, first of all, I did see the TikTok. Um, I approve. It was pretty good. It's a it, I, I thought it was going to be some stupid dancing one, so I, I do like the, the head nod ones. Those ones are good. It's a great trunk. But back, back to what we're talking about. So, yeah, the injuries are starting to pile up. It's it's not like this happens to no teams. Those every team deals with this kind of stuff. Um, obviously, the Bears are kind of in a tough spot because they're technically in the hunt. We all know they really still have no shot, in my opinion. Um, but regardless, with Roquan Smith being out, especially like you were saying, no death behind him at all. You kind of hit it perfectly. Christian Jones and Alec Ogletree. Um, maybe Josh Woods. Or not Josh Woods, sorry. Maybe um, I'm blanking on your guy's name. What's your guy's name again, Sam? Uh, Caleb Johnson. Yes, maybe they pull him up. That's the team star. Yeah, I totally drew a blank on his name. Player to ever follow me on Twitter. There you go. Yeah, maybe maybe they get him up. Maybe get him some action regardless. I think he's an unbelievable special teamer. So, um, I, I love the way he plays. I, in the preseason, he was unbelievable. Especially he's making he just flies on the field. He goes through every single block. Well, he should be on every single special teams regardless. Um, maybe we get a better look at Iggy too since he's. We had a decent plan with him. Um, is he, Marquis Goodwin. What's that? Is he healthy? I saw him on the sidelines in a jersey. I have not seen him touch the field at all. I feel like his playing time has declined significantly. And obviously, um, again, Bears don't have Josh Woods anymore. So, but I'll yeah. You- no, yeah. So, the, the one thing that really upsets me is if we would have gotten rid of Matt Nagy at this point, this would be the exact perfect time for us to see what we have in young talent. Marquise Goodwin, he's now out. Allen Robinson, he's been out. This would have been a perfect time. Yes, Isaiah Kutler, I do like him a lot too. He's young. Like you're saying, he's a fifth-round pick. He's tall and he's very fast. He's a lot of potential. I'm totally okay with him getting pulled up over Rodney Adams, and I will die on that hill because he has a ton more potential. Rodney Adams is 27 years old, 28, whatever he is. He's never been on a team. Again, great story, really cool. Like he was awesome in the preseason, but Cooler could actually have a future in the NFL. He's young, fast, tall, good hands. He's shown potential in college. He was halfway decent for the Texans last season when he played. Um, and then we can see Des Newsome. Like he's our rookie. He's on the practice squad still. Pull him up. Like if Matt Nagy wasn't trying to win right now because he needs to save his own job, and we had an interim head coach in here. Who whose job was safe next year at whatever position coach? Like if we had if we had um what I can't remember our special teams coach name. I'm drawing a blank on him too. If he was to step up again and be the interim head coach, his job is safe. He's still going to be a special teams coach next year. He would be totally fine with having Bill Lazor play these young guys and get these young guys playing time and to see what we still have in the young talent. And I know we kind of touched on Justin Fields a little bit too, but yeah, that that's that's gonna be tough. I don't see him playing this week. And honestly, I know I, a lot of people on Twitter were kind of arguing with me about that, um, but I just don't see it. I don't. I think the injury is more significant than people think. Um, and like I said, there's nothing for him to play for. Like there really is no point of him going and in, in possibly injuring himself more, especially since he had to go to the hospital and get. Uh, I believe it was. I want to say it was his. It was one of his significant art or not arteries. One of his significant organs checked out to see if he got pierced by a, by a broken rib. So. 
regardless, I don't see him touching the field. Don't want to further an injury that could be pretty bad. Um, but yeah, just they, they're in trouble. Plain and simple. I hope he gets Nagy fired. Well, look, <clears throat> as I clear my throat while someone's dog was barking in the background, is exactly why I don't have a dog because I know that when I podcast and do my four shows a week or YouTube videos, that they're just going to be going off in the background or it's going to be going off in the background. But anyway, when you look at this whole concept, so there's people on Bears in the Bears universe right now that believe that there's actually a chance Matt Nagy comes back next year. And we'll get to that in a couple minutes here, but also I want to touch on something when it comes to this roster. You saw in this game, let's take it back a couple weeks, actually all the way to the 49ers game, okay? Because it was just four to five weeks ago. Kind of, what did we see? We saw that once Eddie Jackson went out, the defense really struggled. We saw that with no Khalil Mack, the lack of pass rush was a serious issue. We saw in the Ravens game that not having Allen Robinson was significant and not having Akeem Hicks, other significant things because the Bears, both the offense and defense clearly took steps back. Now, the reason I bring stuff like this up is because really... When you look at the last couple weeks, who's been carrying, forget the offense for a second, but who's been carrying the defensive side of the ball? It's been Roquan Smith and it's been Robert Quinn. And if you were to sit here and tell me that, hey, a 31, 32, 33-year-old pass rusher and Robert Quinn was going to go ahead and carry the Bears defense and be one of the best units of production in terms of Robert Quinn himself being really good when it comes to producing – I would have been like, okay, you're crazy. But Rob Quinn's at that good of a season. But Roquan Smith going down significant because we once again have that void in the middle of the defense, okay? We saw when it came to the secondary how much not having Eddie Jackson hurt the Bears. And now we're going to see the same thing in terms of you're going to see teams basically run it to the outside and have those outside zone runs because they know that there's not going to be an off-ball linebacker in Roquan Smith. Now, be mindful of something. We're recording this on a Tuesday, and so the Bears' first injury report is going to drop as you're listening to this on Wednesday around 3 p.m. Central, 4 p.m. Eastern. Ultimately, that's significant because we're going to know the extent of Roquan Smith's injury very soon. But the fact being that Matt Nagy didn't have an answer on Monday as the guys were, as the Bears were at Hallis Hall and kind of going through things, really speaks volumes in terms of could it be more significant. I think if you're Roquan Smith, you're looking at this and you're like, okay, this has to put a dent in kind of how well your season has gone because Roquan Smith had the season-ending injury in 2019. He had the injury in 2020, and now it's like all of a sudden towards the end of the year in 2021, there's another possibility that maybe he has another season-ending injury or an injury that causes him to miss some significant time. And so ultimately, with Roquan Smith, you're generally concerned because this is the guy that's going to be the face of your defense moving forward. Look, as much as I love guys like Khalil Mack and Eddie Jackson, I think that and Akeem Hicks, we have to understand something, is that the days of Akeem Hicks being the face of the Bears defense are completely over. This He's not going to be on this roster in 2022. As Ryan Pace doubles down, makes another mistakes, and decides, hey, you know what? I'm going to overpay a, a player that's really regressed over this last couple seasons. Okay? And they look at Khalil Mack and Eddie Jackson. Well, those three guys have, what, three or four seasons left here in Chicago. They're not going to be here long term. Okay, Khalil Mack might, but I don't really, I'm not so, so sure about Eddie Jackson. But Roquan Smith's kind of the guy that you're going to build around for the next 15 years. I see a complete look of concern on Samuel's face. He's giving away too much emotion right now. And now he's grimacing and grinning. Okay, but the point is, is Roquan Smith, right, is the face of this defense. When you switch over to the offensive side of the ball, 
The wide receiver room, even with Allen Robinson and Darnell Mooney, was already lacking depth as well as talent. And so now Goodwin going down is a problem. Because why Goodwin was brought here to allow the Bears to kind of have those that pretty decent trio of wide receivers and then be in a situation where they could significantly be able to run the vertical passing attack that Matt Nagy so long for, but absolutely failed. And so good one going down kind of forces the bears to turn to reinforcements. You look at Demir bird, Demir birds, never really been an impact player in the league. He hasn't even been a solid rotational player. He had 47 receptions with the Patriots last year. That's not good by any means, but it's not super terrible either. It just means, well, you were a middle of the pack wide receiver, okay? And you could just tell who's a rotational guy. Now, you look at these players like Isaiah Coulter, Jakeem Grant. What is Jakeem Grant at this point? The Bears had a jet sweep for him. Well, guess what? Jakeem Grant is nothing more than a glorified punt returner who's got speed. And so Matt Nagy's looking at something like this and saying, hey, this guy's got speed and burst. There's the ability to spark an offense. Well, you know what I'm going to do? He's an electric playmaker. Let's just roll the dice on him and see what he can do. I mean, Using Jakeem Krantz in the role that he's been used in, in terms of being a punt returner, but then also hoping he can have an impact as a wide receiver or even as a rusher, is basically the equivalent of using Cordero Patterson and all the crazy roles that he was used. Okay, That's pretty much what it was. And again, Patterson didn't work because Matt Nagy didn't know how to utilize his talent. So kind of to wrap up here, what's going to happen with the wide receiver room is if Goodwin can't go, well, then you are going to see players like Isaiah Coulter, who is a bit of a speedster coming out of a D3 school. You know what? Isaiah Coulter is a player that, to keep an eye on, okay? And then ultimately, you also look at it. You know, maybe, just maybe, we see a player like a Daz Newsom get promoted or someone like John Vea Johnson, even Rodney Adams. I know that those guys are kind of still on the practice squad or they're floating out there. And so for the Bears, it's like, okay, you can bring these guys in because at the end of the day, we have to keep something in mind is that when you take Roquan Smith and Marquise Goodwin out of the equation, what the rest of the season needs to be about is essentially development and seeing what sticks and what doesn't stick. And for the Bears, it's not just about seeing which players are going to stick around and can be starters, but which players are also going to be your depth and your backup pieces. So I think those are all really, really good points. I want to touch back again on kind of just injuries and stuff. So obviously I'm not going to like go down the list of the most the teams the most players and injured reserve because some of these teams are having poor seasons, but I want to just touch on a couple of them really quickly. And honestly, the, the best example is the team that's, I believe, tied for first with 16 injuries as of November 28th. Uh, and that's why I had the grimace on my face because I was trying to find all this research so that I could make sure that I'm not spewing out nonsense that wasn't backed up by research. Uh, Baltimore Ravens. Baltimore Ravens, uh, as of November 18th, had 16 players in their injured reserve. And currently they stand number one in their division. Now, that Baltimore Ravens team at 100% health is probably one of the best teams in the AFC. Yet they started the season with tons of injuries and have continued to accumulate injuries. And that's not even just guys on injured reserve. They've got guys who are banged up, guys who are sitting out weeks just like the Bears. And somehow they're top of their division. That falls to good coaching. And ultimately, you can't say the same thing for the Bears. Because this team is, A, very top-heavy in terms of its roster. Guys go out. There's not good depth pieces behind them for the most part. There's maybe a few exceptions there. Uh, I think the one exception is running back. 
Uh, when Dave Montgomery went out, Khalil Herbert was a great replacement, but I don't think you could make, I guess you could maybe make an argument for quarterback. Um, but good coaches will find a way to utilize the talent that they have. Now, obviously teams like the Ravens, they went out and signed guys to try to replace players. They obviously have guys like Devontae Freeman, who is having an okay career for them, but you know, or okay season for them, I should say, because obviously I know they lost all three of their running backs. I'm pretty sure to ACL injuries, but Again, I, I use the Ravens as an example because that is a franchise that has a head coach that knows how to utilize their talent. And do they have a trend? You know, one, I'm trying to think of the proper word here. I'll just keep it simple. Do they have a very, very good young quarterback in Lamar Jackson? Absolutely. I love watching Lamar Jackson play. He's an absolute thrill to watch. You know, he, he makes Raven games a lot of fun and what he can do on his legs and with his arm are incredible. But the Bears have a young quarterback who can do a lot of similar things and has the same potential as Lamar Jackson, but not is not being utilized properly. And I'm not saying that if Matt Nagy all of a sudden woke up the next day and was the best offensive mind in the entire game, that Justin Fields would suddenly transcend into a whole nother level, but it's the right step. And ultimately if Matt Nagy was any way a competent head coach and any way had any sort of competence at all, when it came to running a football team, this bears team may have a few more wins under their belt. So we talk about injuries. We talk about key players being out. It obviously is brutal. It can end seasons. You know, it can end potential playoff runs. But you're looking at a team that has already been on the decline. And again, this roster is built poorly, which again, doesn't even fall into Nagy. We're now talking about pace. The incompetence of the Bears is one of the biggest reasons why they're four and seven right now. Not even just the lack of talent. It's the lack of using the talent that you actually have. And good coaches find a way to win games. Yeah, I like that you brought up the Ravens, too, because that's a team that literally beat us with their backup quarterback. Like, Tyler Huntley came in and beat us. And we had Justin Fields for for most of the game and then Andy Dalton. And both those guys are significantly better than Tyler Huntley. Huntley played bad enough to lose that game, and we blew it. And I like that you brought up that we do have, we do have talent on this roster. We do have depth, in my opinion. I mean... We're the best back quarterback probably in the NFL at this current moment. We have solid wide receiver depth. I wouldn't say amazing, but to have guys like Demir Bird as your fourth wide receiver, to have guys like Jakeem Grant who can take a screenplay 20 yards or 30 yards anytime he touches the ball, you have those guys as backups. That's good depth. Offensive line, I mean, they're injured. They're really banged up, but when they're healthy, to have a guy like Jermaine Ifedi coming off the bench, have a guy like Elijah Wilkinson as a backup tackle, Alex Bars, like that's good depth on the offensive line. That's that's good depth. And their offense still can't make it work with backups. But good, like you're saying, good teams find a way to do it. The 49ers do it every single season. It feels like their entire team is always hurt. I feel like George Kittle's been getting hurt every year. George Kittle was already hurt this year. They don't even use Brandon Ayuk because he apparently doesn't work hard enough in Kyle Shanahan's eyes. They their running back is hurt every single week. They're they had Jimmy G get hurt at one point. Trey Lance has gotten hurt. Like they literally have a destroyed team too. And they are six and five and they beat us too. Like there are no excuses for losing games when it comes to injuries. I get it. The Packers are dealing with the two Packers are top of our division. They don't have their star left tackle. They don't have their all pro corner. And there was somebody else. Who, oh, and then they just had their star inside linebacker on COVID reserve too. So they're dealing with this stuff too. They're winning games. We have no excuse. 
And I just want to say something briefly because we are talking about teams here, like the 49ers that are six and five, and they're kind of in the middle of the playoff chase. And that's going to be our next topic. But I, I think that a lot of people really get hung up on the Matt Nagy, Kyle Shanahan comparisons. And I think that that's something that certainly, and you guys can certainly chime in here too, but it deserves, it's an noteworthy discussion that we need to have because Kyle Shanahan, when you look at him, I mean, he was hired in 2017 and the effective thing was, Hey, we're giving you guys him with John Lynch, like six or seven years to get this figured out. And guess what? By year three, well, Kyle Shanahan, I understand the 49ers had an easy schedule in 2019 and they wrote a run game and an elite defense all the way to the Super Bowl. Well, guess what? If, and a lot of people bashed the 49ers for kind of that formula because they got everything else right. It seems like outside of the quarterback position. And this is pre Trey Lance, by the way. Now, Jimmy G is not necessarily a great quarterback, but you know what? At the end of the day, he is the right fit for the 49ers in terms of what Kyle Shanahan wants to do. But Shanahan's certainly an interesting case study because he's been around one season longer than Matt Nagy. And yeah, he's been to the playoffs. He's also been to a Super Bowl. But the big thing, I think, is that Kyle Shanahan has never really had a serious down year in terms of being able to get his players to really produce. I mean, I understand 2020 injuries were happening for the 49ers left and right guys were dropping. You go from like Nick Bosa D Ford. I think Richard Sherman that year was last season was his final year with the 49ers. He was injured. And then there was a brief period where the offensive line, the running game, the wide receivers were banged up and yet Kyle Shanahan still made it work. And so I think that yeah, Kyle Shanahan's track record, and final record as a win in the win-loss column doesn't look great. But one thing you can't deny is that he's done much better than Matt Nagy in terms of things like coaching, executions, and details. And I think that right now, at the end of the day, like if Kyle Shanahan were available and he were a free agent on the market, let's just say the 49ers move on from him at the end of the 2021 season, you know what? I would take him with the Bears in a heartbeat. Why? Because go back and look at the 2017 season. There were times where the 49ers at that time were the worst team in the division in the NFC West. They were one of the worst teams in the NFC. And at the end of the day, Kyle Shanahan made it work with undrafted free agent guys that probably aren't even in the league anymore, like Nick Mullins. Yeah, I like that you brought that up because a really good point, too, to what happened last year with the 49ers with all those injuries. They're the reason we got into the playoffs last year because they went with, despite all their injuries, they rallied and they beat the Arizona Cardinals to hold them out of the playoffs. And I just want to touch on that first. Like they, they came to play and you saw the coaches getting incredibly hyped up on the sideline and the players, they had a horrible year. They didn't even do that good. Like they didn't have a good record. They had again, Nick Mullins and CJ Beathard as their two quarterbacks. Cause Jimmy Garoppolo was hurt. And like they still rallied and they still beat the Arizona Cardinals to hold them out of the playoffs and get us in. So again, kind of thanks kind of not to them. Cause it kept Matt Nagy around longer, but like, they, it sh- it showed the coaching shows and like you were saying if Shanahan's on the market I, I I had this discussion literally I believe two days ago in a group chat I said I gave like my coaching rankings in order and I said but if Shanahan somehow gets let go for some stupid reason he immediately blows everybody else out of the water he's proven to go to a Super Bowl with a team compared to these other head coaches have not uh, candidates outside of Harbaugh obviously has shown success as well but that was seven years ago um, but regardless Shanahan has shown it recently with no quarterback. And I love the way he runs the offensive scheme. I just like the way he makes it work with everybody. So again, if he is let go for some 
incredibly stupid reason, bring him in, please. All I'm going to add, and then I'm going to go back to you said for our next point. Uh, it would be very ironic if Kyle Shanahan got fired and got hired by a Bears team with a quarterback that Kyle Shanahan decided to pass up for to take Trey Lance. That's all I'm going to add to that. But uh, it would be very ironic. But I agree. I think he'd be an awesome hire if for some reason he's available. But I'm not going to get my hopes up. It's the Bears. Yep. Yeah, well, I mean, the 49ers are technically much better run than the Bears are, too. But, Joel, I'm going to go back to you on this next one because right now the Bears are sitting at 4-7. and seven. There's, what, six or seven games left in the season, and the Bears aren't necessarily out of the playoffs. They're not in the playoffs either. They're right there on the fringe. But are the Bears really even remotely close to being a playoff team? Are they that far away from being a playoff team? Because – when you look at this NFC, you realize that you know who your top teams are. You have the Rams, and I understand the Rams just got punched in the mouth by the Packers, but you have the Packers, you've got the Bucks, you've got the Rams, and then you have your fourth division leader as well right now, the Dallas Cowboys. You have the Arizona Cardinals, and then somewhere in there, you've got the Washington football team, which seems to win because of Taylor Heineke's heroics every single week, or at least stay in games. But can the Bears actually sneak into the playoffs here? Is this a playoff team? despite what the record shows and what we see on the field? No, simply put, no, like we we're four and seven. We're one game out. There are teams that are going to go on little runs that we cannot, we, we will not go on a win streak, but we plain and simple. There are teams that are still left and are in the hunt with us. That will like, give me the Washington football team over us any day of the week. I would take the Minnesota Vikings over us any day of the week. I also looking at the playoff picture, how are there? How are the Atlanta Falcons five and six? That blows my mind. They have no shot either. I that I cannot believe they're that close to five hundred. That just shocks me. Um, the New Orleans Saints. I honestly believe when Taysom Hill gets back at quarterback, I honestly think that's a playoff team. Like as bad as that sounds, he is light years better than Trevor Simeon, and he creates the run game for them. And he isn't bad at throwing the ball short, and he just he, it's another weapon on the field. So when he's back out there, they are a way better team than we are. And they display a very good defense, a strong offensive line, very bad wide receivers, but very good running backs. Um, looking at other ones, uh, Philadelphia Eagles, easy. Give me them. Their defense is solid. Um, Jalen Hurts has shown flashes. He played a horrible last week, but outside of last week, he's shown a lot of flashes. Looked really solid. Again, he only has one wide receiver really he's throwing to, so that kind of sucks for him. Um Carolina Panthers, no, they they have Cam Newton, so no shot. New York Giants, no shot. They have Daniel Jones. Um, Seattle Seahawks, hey, you never know. If Russell Wilson's their quarterback. If his finger's still bothering him, because that could be the reason why he hasn't been playing well. If he somehow goes on a run here at the end of the season, they could sneak in. Like they're only they're they're only two games out and they're three and eight. So to say like we're only one game out is not like not, not significant. We still have to play the Packers. We still have two division games against the Vikings right there alone. That's tough alone, just right there. Playing three divisional games to close out the season on top of the already teams you already have to play. We have to play the Cardinals this weekend. Like, I mean, no shot, no shot. Like, Justin Fields probably won't play. No shot. I don't. I just yeah. So, hey, if we beat the Cardinals this weekend, though, maybe, but I just don't see it. And yeah, I I think the one game that everybody's freaking out about is just the one game feels like a ten point or a seven-point deficit in a football game for us. We're down by seven. It feels like we're down by 30. A one game behind in the NFC picture feels like we're five games behind. So I don't 
disagree. I want to talk about why I agree with you for the most part. However, I am going to say a few things that may counter some of the things you've said. Um, by the question of, are the Bears really that far away from being a playoff team? By games? No. By talent? Yes. Um, so there's holes all over this roster. It's one of the worst offenses in the league in terms of passing, um, and it's terribly coached. Um, when healthy, it's an okay defense that has some nice pieces and, uh, when healthy, uh, I think still top seven run offense in the league. It's not bad. Um, the AFC playoff picture versus the NFC playoff picture is so significantly different. There are like 12 teams in the AFC who can make playoffs and the NFC picture outside of the five seed looks awful. Um, and it's crazy to me because the seventh seed just changes everything. You have teams who are below 500 who are in the playoffs right now, um, i.e. Washington football team. So I look at the Bears' remaining schedule. Even if Kyler Murray doesn't play this weekend, I still don't see a, a realistic possibility, and we'll talk about this more, where they can beat Arizona. The Green Bay is going to smoke us again. I, I have no faith in that game. But other than that, I think Seattle is a winnable game. I think New York's a winnable game. I'm not saying an easy game, but those two are winnable games. Minnesota, it gets complicated because Minnesota is a weird team. It depends on what version you get of Kirk Cousins. Bears kind of own Minnesota. They went one-on-one against them last year. If you beat them at least once, tiebreakers start going to an effect. So let's say hypothetically, the best case scenario, the Bears go eight and nine. Eight and nine might get you in. Because that's how dramatic the shift is in the talent of the NFC. You said mentioned earlier, there's four or five teams that are like probably the best teams in the NFC right now. It's the Packers, it's the Cardinals, it's the Cowboys. And even though I know they've been on a little bit of a losing streak and um, I'm missing a division, I can't think of it off the top of my head, but whoever that fourth team is, I can't think of them. Rams are still going to float around at five, six and seven. Buccaneers, thank you. <laughs> Five, six, and seven are going to fluctuate the rest of the year. I definitely could see the Saints making a run. Um, I think Taysom Hill is. Um, I have thoughts on Taysom Hill that I'm going to keep to myself um, because they're not positive. Um, I definitely agree. The fact that the Falcons are still in the hunt and teams like the Giants and they're in the hunt are crazy to me. Philadelphia, I had hoping, and then they put seven points against the Giants, so uh, I'm out on them. I'm not going to go through every single team like you did, just because I've kind of already done it. But ultimately, to wrap this point up, by games, there's a chance. If, obviously, the Bears win this weekend, you're looking at a different scenario. Even if they don't win this weekend, if they find a way to win their two of the three divisional games they have coming up and they can beat New York and Seattle, you might be able to sneak in. I ultimately don't think it's going to happen. I need to see it before I can believe it. Um, But, again, this is probably the easiest their schedule is going to get. Is that safe to say at this point? Arizona and Green Bay, I'm not even going to think about that as even a possibility. But other than that, I could see the Bears winning the rest of their games this season. I'm not saying it's going to happen. I don't have faith in this team to do that. But I also didn't think they were going to make playoffs last year, and they did. Because of the way the playoffs are formatted now, I could absolutely see a possibility the Bears go 8-9 sneak as a 7 seed. However, I'm leaning towards your side, Joe. I don't think it's going to happen. But it could happen. Yeah, so 
Uh, I mean, you guys all brought up great points. And just to take it from this angle and perspective, I mean, look at the Bears schedule right now. Because it's been home, away, home, or away, home, away, home, away, home, right? It's been that format. And it is a bit of an odd and unique format. But when you go back and look at the schedule, and I have it pulled up right on the screen in front of me. Sorry. You lost to the LA Rams. You lost to the Green Bay Packers. You lost to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. You lost to the San Francisco 49ers. So you have four losses against all these NFC teams that are basically Pretty much three of the four, L.A., Green Bay, Tampa Bay are guaranteed playoff slots. San Francisco still up in the air. Your only two wins against the NFC this year are the sweeps of the Detroit Lions. Now, I said this back when we were previewing the schedule in like May or June, and I'm going to bring it up right now to when you look at the second half of the Bears schedule, what's significant from weeks 12 to week 18? The fact being is that the final six games of the season are all against NFC teams. You have Detroit, Arizona at Green Bay versus Minnesota at Seattle versus the New York Giants. And then at the Minnesota Vikings again. So if the Bears go on a run here, kind of what's going to happen is maybe they do sneak into the playoffs. But right now the odds are so much against the Bears. To the point where if they do make the playoffs, it's going to be a road playoff game. But speaking purely getting away from all the scenarios and the hypotheticals and the what ifs here. I think the bears are real far away from making the playoffs because if this team does sneak into the playoffs, it's going to be another year where essentially I think it's one and done and it's going to be one and done because the bears don't have enough talent on either side of the football to really warrant going into any stadium or any road venue for that matter. And then pulling off an upset. I mean, let's just say it's a bears Packers matchup first round. Well, you know what? As much as I'd love to see the Bears win, I'm going to take the Packers because the Bears have proven under Matt Nagy, hey, we can't win at Lambeau Field. If it's Tampa Bay or a team like the San Francisco 49ers, guess what? The Bears really don't have a shot against Tampa Bay. They might have a shot against San Francisco, but certainly not Tampa Bay or the LA Rams either. And so I think to round this out here, the Bears are a playoff team if they go on a run, but they're not going to be a playoff team. If they lose another game, because you basically, I think you're out of the playoffs once you lose to the Arizona Cardinals. And then after that, you've got about five games remaining in the season. So if you lose to the Cardinals, you're essentially out without officially being eliminated. But then it's just going to take one more loss and that's going to be it because I just don't see the Bears having nine or 10 losses and then sneaking into the playoffs flip side. You look at some of these bubble teams, like take the San Francisco 49ers, for example, the 49ers have the tie break over the bears. But what's interesting about the 49ers is that they've had their quality wins along the way, right? Cause they are still in terms of playoffs and seating. They're six and five. They're kind of in the same realm and boat as the bears, just a notch or two higher in that realm. But when you look at the 49ers, hey, they've had their wins because guess what? They beat the LA Rams, right? They beat the Minnesota Vikings, another team that's on the cusp of uh, playoff contention. They came in, they beat the Bears. They beat the Philadelphia Eagles and essentially what can still be considered a wide open NFC. And then you'll get the 49ers. Well, guess what? They lost by just a touchdown to the Seattle Seahawks. They lost by a touchdown to the Arizona Cardinals the first time around. The second time around, well, yeah, I understand they got beat 31-17. And then you look at the Car- the 49ers, the second half of the season. I mean, they have a winnable game against Atlanta. They have a winnable game against the Seattle Seahawks. There's also a two more winnable games against the Houston Texans and then possibly even the Cincinnati Bengals. So the point is that there's other teams out there that have a legitimate 
case of making the playoffs merely because their schedule is just so much easier. I mean, they could even see a scenario where the Vikings sneak into the playoffs. And I know as ridiculous as it sounds, because for the Vikings right now, well, guess what? They're sitting here at, um, I believe it's like five and six or something, but they're right there. They're about a fringe playoff team, but ultimately look at the Vikings too. I think that's another really interesting team because just from the viewpoint of the schedule, so they're five and six, right? They've also had some quality wins. I mean, they beat the um, Packers as well, which is kind of a season defining win, but then also, you know what? They have gone toe to toe with a team like the 49ers. They also went toe to toe with a team like the Arizona Cardinals. They also beat the Seattle Seahawks. So, these other teams have had quality wins that the Bears against the NFC that the Bears simply haven't had. Yeah, I like that you kind of brought up the Vikings at the end there because I was just about to talk about them because uh, I know Sam talked about them too, saying we could possibly beat them twice. Um, just wanted to add with that. So it's definitely very, very possible because, again, like you were saying, Sam, we we own the Vikings. Like they some for some for some reason, we are the only defense that knows how to shut them down. Like they always, they go, they fly. They always go crazy with uh, Justin Jefferson, Adam Thielen versus every team. Kirk Cousins airs it out, throws for 300 yards with every team. He's always hot. For some reason, he plays us and we just shut him down. I don't get why. Because it's not like Chuck Pagano is a mastermind of any means. Uh, Big Fangio obviously was, but Pagano somehow shut him down. And now we got, we got Sean Desai. Maybe he will to do it too. We'll, we'll wait to see. But yeah, and I, I saw you put the message in there. Yeah, no Dalvin Cook possibly too. I know he had that shoulder injury. Um, regardless, I think Alexander Madison's a stud too. So I'm not, I, I, there's a drop off, but I don't see it being hugely significant. Um, but regardless, I possibly we can beat them both. I just don't see it. I don't see this. I don't see this Bears team being good enough to beat them twice. I see past Bears teams being able to beat this team twice because. Fast bear teams had at least some consistency. Even last year, they didn't beat him twice. Like last year, they obviously had all those injuries last year where their offensive line was destroyed. They had Nick Foles in at quarterback. Like obviously, that was completely different. Um, but I just don't see it this year. I see it being similar to last year that we can only take one from them and maybe one. And maybe it's at the end of the year when they already made the playoffs or something. I have no idea. But regardless, yeah, the Cardinals game this weekend is really kind of going to define things, especially if Kyler Murray doesn't play. Um, speaking of which I'll be at the game, so that'll be, I'll be drinking early. So, uh, if you see me, come get a beer with me or something, right? You're muted by the way, Sam. I knew that. Um, I'm going to add two quick things real quick. Um, and then we can go to our next thing, but, um, uh, the bears are definitely going to get some injury luck going on their side as well, though. Obviously again, uh, like I messaged in here earlier, Dalvin cook, uh, might potentially not play in at least one of those matchups with a shoulder injury. Um, I know that, uh, Giants quarterback Daniel Jones is going to be week to week. I know he's not playing this weekend too. Uh, and the Bears might not have to face Kyler Murray this week or DeAndre Hopkins, which again, the Bears are known to losing for backups anyway, i.e. Tyler Huntley, um, who uh, didn't even play that well, but still beat us. But again, the Bears are going to get some injury luck as well. And uh, to kind of spin it, to take a more of a personal route, uh, so my college football team, I root for the uh, Division Three North Central Cardinals, uh, Naperville, Illinois. Uh, undefeated this year, we're trying to make another championship playoff run, and a lot of the uh, a lot of people are very confident they're going to get there. But um, as I've been kind of saying, you need to take things a week at a time because you never know what can happen in football. But again, that's just a little bit of false hope there. Uh, if but false hope is better than no hope. That's what I will say. But right now, we are focused on the Arizona Cardinals. Yeah, I wanted to add to. I'm also rooting for North Central. 
Uh, my dad was an alumni, so uh, big oh, fan. Sweet. Yeah, yeah. My dad played football for them, so I'm a big That's fan cool. of uh, Park, baby. Yeah, yes, sir. And I remember, uh, I think it was two years ago when they played Whitewater in the championship. So my sister, my older sister, went to Whitewater. Dad went to North Central, so I was kind of a uh, nice little di- nice little divide in the house. But uh, I obviously went to North Central. Who I loved. Who was their quarterback? I can't remember his name, but he Not was hard. a he was a stud. Loved him. And they had a uh, what's that? No, sorry, keep going. Then another wide receiver. Then they have somebody's like, what's that? Andrew Kaminsky's the the stud wide receiver. Who was that? Didn't they have somebody's brother at wide receiver, like an NFL player's younger brother or something? Oh, I'd have to look the roster again because um, I wasn't at North Central at the time. So I wasn't okay, I can't remember. I feel like they had somebody that had a relation to the NFL, but yeah. Besides the point, just had to shout out North Central to you there. Well, and a little NFL scouting before we move on because I know you said it's getting so annoyed. So I'm gonna kind of make this long-winded to make him even more. Oh, yeah. Um, NFL scouts have looked a little bit at North Central wide receiver Andrew Kaminsky. Uh, dark horse in this draft if he has a good combine, I think. He may not end up getting drafted, but he'd be a really nice piece in the practice squad. He is a stud. Probably Measur- Measurables? I'm actually curious. I haven't heard much about him. Um, I'll tell you after the show because I have to look it up. Gotcha. Yeah, you should contact Kaminsky, probably Frank's brother, and get him on the show. Since you guys are bragging about your teams that are not that significant, by the way. Shout out to the Wheat North Falcon football team for winning its first state championship in 34 or 35 years. So we got a Wheat. My, the high school that I went to and I now work at just won a state championship. And so isn't it ironic how when I leave, a kind of multi-year rebuild takes place. And as soon as I'm back, first year in state champion. Um, so we got the state championship on lockdown. Now it's going to be Bears Super Bowl next. Nobody cares about your high school. Okay, Sam? No uh, one cares. Montini Catholic Broncos won multiple. You went to Montini? Uh, absolutely. Oh, I have some choice words to say about them. That's all right. You don't have to say anything. Well, Montini. I went to Marion Central, so. Oh God, yeah, we should probably, <laughs> we should probably keep moving this podcast along because things are going to get heated in here real quickly. Yeah, no, all t- look, all the Montini's championship, sh- the Catholic schools championship shouldn't even count because all they yeah, exactly all they do is cheat and recruit. It's it's so dumb. They That's, should literally you know, have. They should, have no, wait, wait, wait. Well, let, let's let's stop for a second because we got to move on. But first, yeah, that's so the annoying thing because my tiny. My I want my tiny high school in a farm town of Woodstock cannot recruit. Who are they going to recruit? Farmers? Like we have, we don't recruit. We literally just we just had a program. People want. We did not do any recruiting. The only thing we ever did recruiting for the past few years was wrestling, and we were unreal wrestling. But football never recruited. We just naturally were good, and that was the annoying thing because we played Montini. They would move dudes out of state into like apartments and stuff, and we had to play them. We'd lose by like a touchdown or something. We're like, okay, well, our farmers from Crystal Lake couldn't do anything. I'm going to quickly shout out before we keep going on because I'm going to ignore that because Montini is so great. The football program has had such a great legacy. Uh, Shout out Montini alum uh, Jamari Harris, uh, who's been playing corner at Iowa, won the game for them with a game-winning interception against Nebraska. Absolutely a guy you should be keeping your eyes on for next year, especially with some scouting stuff too. He is an absolute stud. Great guy. Wanted to shout him out as well since we're on the topic. But let's move on. Fair stuff. Let's go. Yeah, moving on from the cheater Catholic schools that should be in a league of their own for the IHSA. Sam, I'm going to go to you on this one. Tevin Jenkins kind of been back for two weeks. The Bears have 
necessarily open up the 21 day practice window for him. But I think the question remains to be seen is do the bears go ahead and activate Tevin Jenkins off injured reserve with about six games to go, or is this something where you absolutely just go shut him down for 2021? And you say, yeah, forget 2021. We totally messed up on your injury. We're not even going to acknowledge we messed up on your injury and wasted a year of your career and a year of your rookie contract. Um, you're going to come back in 2022, but what's the deal here, bud? If and only if he is 100% ready to go. Um, and what I mean by this is obviously they've, they've allowed, you know, I know he started practicing. They have a limited amount of time to make a decision on him. I don't see a huge reason to rush him back. Um, Jenkins has a history of back injuries, and I know he had surgery. Um, back injuries can be really, really bad, and those things can get re-aggravated, and it could end his career sooner than it should be. I, I hope Jenkins has a long career and is very good for the Bears, and I'm always of the opinion that long-term plans are better than one season. Obviously, the Bears were competing and getting ready to um, – you know, make a actual playoff run, then I would be all on board. But if he's healthy, I don't see why not. If you bring Jenkins back, you have more options with your offensive line now. Um, and you can shuffle some things with the interior. Obviously, I know Jason Peters has been suitable in his role, but I would rather see both guys play, both younger guys play. You could use Peters at offensive guard, move Cody Whitehair to center, et cetera, et cetera. I'm not getting into hypotheticals because we've done a lot of that tonight. Um, if he's 100%, why not? I would love to see him play, get some reps. Maybe you wait until, you know, maybe he's inactive for a game and then you you allow him to get a start against a team that's not like Arizona. But if he's healthy and he's ready to go, play him. I would love to see what we have in this guy because I think we have a decent piece in Larry Borum. And if Tevin Jenkins can play decently the rest of this year too, the Bears having two offensive rookies on the offensive line who can be long-term potential pieces for Justin Fields it would be amazing. And obviously it's very hopeful thinking, but my final point, if and only if he is a hundred percent ready to be an NFL actor. I personally think Jenkins is activated regardless this week. Um, just because with Elijah Wilkinson being on the COVID list now for I want to say it's a second or third time this season. Um, I mean, who is their backup offensive tackle right now? Like the, I don't think it's anybody now. David so. Simmons. Yeah, so I think they're activating Tevin Jenks this week. Um, regardless, I think I think they'll pull up Latavius Simmons too for the game. Um, I think they activate Tevin Jenkins. It sounds like reports are coming out. It sounds like he's ready to get activated. Um, even at the very least, it saves you. Like you can activate him, but just not play him. So what if he takes a roster spot? No big deal. Um, just activate him. Let him sit. Um, if he doesn't play, if the season's gone and he's fully healthy. Nagy's already fired for some reason, then you can get him some significant playing time when the season doesn't matter. Like again, I've been pounding the table for for the past like forty week for the past four weeks or whatever it is. I'm pounding the table for that. But regardless, whenever he is fully healthy, um, and I'll honestly, I think he is, even if it's not like quote unquote a hundred percent, it won't be for a long time anyway. He'll that's how all injuries are. You might be cleared, but you're never gonna be a hundred percent for months slash weeks until you're fully recovered until you're fully back to full strength. Um, so I think they're going to take it slow. I, I trust them to play it smart. They've been playing this very, very slow. Um, I, again, have almost nearly no faith in the Bears at all, but that's just something that I have a little bit of faith in. It seems like they're playing it smart. Um, I don't like that they keep everything secret. Everything secretive as usual. 
very annoying. Would like to have some sort of idea of what's going on, but um, I think he should get activated. And again, it, it really does depend on the health because I never got to see it. But yeah, I mean, Joe, you weren't you didn't join the podcast till late August, but I kind of said this in terms of the way Tevin Jenkins injury was being handled, just in the sense that I felt like it was a Trey Burton saga from two, three years ago at this point, where it was almost like every single day when asked about Trey Burton, it was, Hey, Trey's this much closer, this much closer. We're taking it easy with him, baby steps. And all of a sudden he essentially played like one or two games and then was just shut down for the year. And that's because the bears mishandled that injury. And I felt like the same thing was happening with Tevin Jenkins here throughout the off season. And so ultimately, when I look at that, one of the major things that I have to say is this, is that Matt Nagy was asked about Tevin Jenkins in the press conference yesterday. And for those of us that kind of listened and were there, you know, something important to add on is that Matt wasn't necessarily fully committed to what was going to happen with Tevin Jenkins, but he also wasn't fully committed in saying, yeah, Tevin Jenkins is for sure going to start. I bring that up because he was basically playing devil's advocate right there. Ultimately, when it comes to Tevin Jenkins, there's a lot of different factors you have to consider. You have to consider, hey, the Bears are under the assumption that Jason Peters is playing well and playing well enough to warrant continue being the left tackle. And then you look at the rest of the offensive line. If you bring in Tevin Jenkins at left tackle, well, what is that going to do? That's basically going to force you to bump Jason Peters to left guard and then make a couple changes here and there, which the biggest this one's probably going to be moving on from Sam Mustafer and benching him for the remaining five games of the season. But ultimately, what we have to keep something in mind is that Jason Peters, like I mentioned earlier in the show about a couple guys on the defensive side of the ball, Jason Peters is not going to be on this roster next year. He's merely a stopgap option that shouldn't even be on the roster this year. The only reason he was signed is because the Bears botched the Tevin Jenkins situation. So what has to happen is is you have to go ahead and I think you do activate Tevin Jenkins sometime this week, possibly on Wednesday, Thursday, or Friday, just before the game. You go ahead and do that. You promote him to the 53-man roster because, again, with six games left in the season, this is all about figuring out and getting a look at what your players are able to do versus what they're not able to do. The single biggest aspect that we have to consider with Tevin Jenkins at this point is getting him out there, even just putting him on a snap count works in the Bears' favor because what you're basically doing is this, is you're saying, hey, Tevin, we're going to get you out there even if it's on a snap count. We just want to see what you're able to do. Because this offensive line is going to have some additions in the offseason, and we want to see whether your best fit is at left tackle or at right tackle. So I know it's only going to be a small sample size, but I think getting Tevin Jenkins out there is totally worth it. Yeah, I, again, I'll touch on it again. I agree 100%. You need to get that due playing time. And I know Sam kind of touched on it too. He's your future. Like we invested a second round pick in him, we traded up for him, we traded away a third round pick to move up and grab him. He's the guy we're building, partially building his offense around. We're building him to protect Justin Fields. Him, Larry Borm, and Justin Fields are essentially the future, and Darnell Mooney, obviously, are essentially the future of this offense in terms of young talent. So you need to get these guys to make playing time. I know, especially, like, it's not very nice to see Larry Borm get playing time, even though he does struggle in the run game. It's very nice to see him get his significant playing time and to let him get real NFL experience because – like you were saying, you said Jason Peters is gone next year. Like, we need to prepare for that. And maybe he comes back. Like, again, very slim chance. Maybe we call him and he's on a boat again one time and he comes back and is somewhat good for us. But we, we should prepare for the future. And again, that's the hard part of having your head coach who knows he's gone next year. 
and is trying to save his job that we're probably not gonna be able to do that now. Yeah. I don't really have anything else to add to that. Um, it'd be cool to see Jason Peters. If he did not play next year is like some sort of assistant coaching role for the bears. I would love to see him get hired to the staff, but um, in terms of Tevin Jenkins, I have nothing else to add. Yeah, let's see. We've got a couple more points here, and this is going to be a more extensive show just because there's a lot to talk about and some great analysis. But, Joe, give me your hot take for this week. Cardinals are coming to town. Last time they were here, Bruce Arians admitted, hey, I ran up the score just because the Bears passed on me and chose Mark Trustman over me in 2013, which, again, if I was an Arian shoes and I was playing or coaching against the Bears, I would have done the absolute same thing. Yeah, I was – so. I kind of have two hot takes. Um, the first one is not game related. The first one's just bears related. Um, and it's not like a prediction. It's more like what I think. My first hot take is I'm in on Jim Harbaugh. I want him as our, uh, as our head coach. And I know it's gotten a lot of hate. I know a lot of people are against it. Um, and no, it's not reactional to the game that he just beat Ohio state in. not reactional to that at all. It's more just about him, the way his team reacts, how he coaches every week. Um, that's, I just I I would totally love that. I love the way he coaches. I love these CEO head coach lets his coordinators do all the work and he just oversees everything and gets everybody riled up and psyched for the game. I love that's what I want in a head coach. I love those kind of head coaches. So that's my first hot take. Um, if you guys want to touch on that first, and then I'll go to my game one. Um, do you guys want which one do you guys want to do? Sure. Yeah, so I'm gonna touch on so let me touch on Jim Harbaugh first I think I'm totally all in on him too as head coach I think what the Bears need at this point is they have to stop hiring these first timers right because one of the biggest advantages of having John Fox was that he did have two prior head coaching stops in Carolina and then Denver before landing with the Bears and again John Fox again was at the tail end of his career it just in the NFL in general, but his biggest advantage was that he knew the ropes. I mean, how many times did we see in 2015, 2016, as well as 2017, how many times did we see enough good flashes from the Bears to really warrant and enough good bright moments to really warrant saying, hey, you know what? This regime is building something here. They didn't win a lot of games, but one of the big things you can't deny is the flashes were certainly there. I mean, look, John Fox beat the Packers at Lambeau Field in his second career game as the Bears head coach against the Packers, right? Matt Nagy has not even won in Lambeau Field, and supposedly Matt Nagy was going to be the solution to these offensive votes. Hell, even Mark Tressman went up to Lambeau Field and beat the Packers once, okay? Matt Nagy's never done that. And this isn't turning into a Nagy, John Fox, Mark Trustman comparison. But the point is, the reason I bring John Fox up is because the guy had NFL experience, which definitely played a big part. He knew what it took to build a successful program. And even if he didn't fully successfully build an NFL team up and a program, he at least was starting to lay some of the foundations and the groundwork. I mean, that 2018 team, I think. A lot of Bears fans talk about Vic Fangio, which the credit does go to Vic Fangio, but the credit also has to go equally to John Fox, who kind of oversaw the rebuilding of that defense and then acquiring some of the pieces that kind of formed the Bears identity on the offensive side of the ball in terms of a power runner like a Jordan Howard, for example. And so going back to Harbaugh here, I think he makes sense for the Bears. One, because he is a former Bears player. Two, because he's supposedly gone around and started telling people in his immediate circle that Chicago is, in fact, my dream job next year. And I think that if that's the case, you go out and you hire him, right? You bring a player in. I'm sorry, you bring a coach in 
who is going to go ahead and have that fiery, feisty personality that, quite frankly, Bears fans want out of their head coach. Joe, you touched on a guy, a head coach, who's just there to kind of oversee the operation and let his coordinators do the thing. Isn't that what we want out of Matt Nagy? We want a head coach who's going to kind of take a step back, but who's also going to know when to step up and step in but letting his offense as well as his defense really do the work. And so ultimately, when you look at it, like I'm in on hardball too. Go ahead, Sam. Yeah, I don't really have much else to add. You hit a lot of really good points there with, with Harbaugh. Obviously, again, a former Bear, um, former Bears quarterback. Uh, my brother, who's a Michigan fan, was obviously pretty thrilled this past weekend. Uh, he's always been a fan of Harbaugh, but one of his biggest critiques was that he's never been able to beat Ohio State. Um, I believe he took less money to stay with Michigan uh, recently. I don't remember when that update came out. Um, so I don't know what his contract looks like. I mean, ultimately I know college coaching football contracts are insane. Um, I mean, it on Harbaugh. I mean, I think literally anything is better than Nagy at this point. I like Harbaugh. I think he is the best coach in terms of uh, iconic quotes that are great to remember. Um, one of my favorites being when he, I believe this was him. We said, uh, uh, you will reap what you sow about something with the 49ers. Um, that was a while ago, but that was one of the iconic hardball quotes. But he had a great one from this past weekend. I'm not going to try to remember because I'll butcher it. But I don't know. I don't really have anything else to add. I think I don't really know if that's hot because I think there's a lot of Bears fans who would agree with you. I think some would be a little concerned. But, I mean, you know, a lot of these offensive coordinator potential head coaches right now are kind of struggling a little bit. And I think Harbaugh has the experience and he'd be, I, I don't know, I'd be in. Regardless, I, I wanted to add one more small thing, too, about Harbaugh because you touched on the office of coordinators. Um, again, I think I, I've said it multiple times, and I will repeat it again. You can make the case for and against every single head coach, head coach candidate for the Bears. Anybody, literally anybody, you can say, okay, this is why he should be, this is why he shouldn't be. In Harbaugh's case, he should be because my main reasons, um, again, he's the type of head coach I like in terms of him being a CEO. He knows how to get his players pumped up for a game. And again, he has amazing quotes. And on top of that, he has connections. He has been around the NFL. He's been around college football. He knows coordinators. He knows how to build a great staff because of the people he's been around. He worked with Vic Fangio. Maybe if Vic Fangio gets fired, he can bring Fangio back to Chicago and make him the defense coordinator. If that were the case, Harbaugh and Fangio in Chicago, give me that all day. I don't even care who the offense coordinator is. Give me that all day. I, I trust Harbaugh to find an offensive coordinator that's halfway decent. When you get a guy, get a guy like Kellen Moore, or get a guy like Joe Brady, or get a guy like Byron Leftwich, they're younger. They haven't been in the league long. Like those three have all been on one NFL staff. Who are they going to know to bring into their system? Only the people that are with the Cowboys. You really want somebody from the Cowboys defense coming in to coach our Bears defense? No, thank you. They are bad. Panthers, they have nothing to show for on offense or defense. I don't know why anybody still wants Joe Brady at this point, in all honesty, but again, you can make the case for him. And then Byron Leftwich, again, don't get that either. He has arguably the greatest offensive talent we've seen in since probably the Steelers when they had Le'Veon Bell and Antonio Brown on that entire team. He has literally Tom Brady quarterback, three all-pro talent wide receivers, two awesome running backs, and an elite offensive line. And Tom Brady and Bruce Arians is his head coach. You cannot really make the case for him, in my opinion, but you still can somehow. And he also doesn't know anybody. He knows only people he's worked with in the past. So I want a guy who's an older, but not obviously crazy old head coach like Pete Carroll, who's 70 years old, guy who's at least has experience tenured in both NFL and, and, and college football. That could also apply to Brian Dable, who I've made the case for. Um, 
But regardless, somebody who can build a great staff and be a CEO head coach. That's what I want. End of story. Um, in terms of the game hot takes, we'll get to that quickly. Um, I think the Bears get absolutely smoked. Um, again, this all depends on who plays and who doesn't because we really have no idea who's playing this weekend in terms of quarterbacks for either team. Um, if Kyler Murray plays, and no matter who's playing for the Bears quarterback, we're going to get smoked. Like I, I, that might not be a hot take. Um, but on top of that, I think that literally we don't put up more than 15 points and they get at least 30 something. I, I, I think, again, I don't really think it's a hot take. I, I think this could definitely be a game where like the Bears keep it close for most of it and then kind of lose traction towards the end. Again, if Kyler doesn't play, I think this is a hot take. If he does play, I think it's lukewarm. You left it under a light for a few minutes. That's so, my analysis of it. That's the tough thing. I can't really make a complete hot take without knowing. that. That's kind of why I wanted a double hot take this week with the head coach and then also with the game because this game is impossible to hot take at this point when I have no idea who's playing for either team right now. Um, so, again, I – I don't really know. I think even I think honestly, whoever plays a quarterback for them, I think we still lose by at least double digit points, regardless. Um, and no matter who plays a quarterback for us either. Anyway, so those are all some really good points that I agree with. Now we've had her hot takes. Let's bring it over to Sam. Sam, stock up, stock down. What do you have for Sam stocks this week? Yeah. So looking at the uh, Bears stock market this season, uh, we're going to be talking about the same positional group when we do our stocks up and stocks down. As always, we always go stock up. Uh, Stock up Jalen Johnson, kind of an under the radar player this past weekend. Uh, He had a tackle for loss and a forced fumble. He looked pretty solid in his coverage. Obviously, that Lions wide receiver group isn't that good, but obviously we'll talk about how one of them managed to make a big play against one of our dear secondary pieces. Um, but honestly, it's nice to see Jalen Johnson play well. He's been a really nice piece. Again, a great draft pick from last year. When he's healthy, he's a solid, solid corner in this league. Unfortunately, we have to talk about his counterpart across the field from him, and our stock down is Artie Burns. Now, I will say this. I actually thought Artie Burns had an okay game. He had some decent uh, pass breakups, and um, I'm going to just say that because Holy smokes, that touchdown pass to Josh Reynolds, who I didn't even know was a Detroit Lion until it happened. Um, I'm really glad that I watched the replay and didn't watch that live because, yikes. Obviously, Artie Burns came in to step in for Kendall Vildor, who has been struggling this year as well. It is very, very clear the Bears need to address that second cornerback spot either in the draft or in free agency in 2022 because, dear God, there is no answer there right now. I would so much rather see them just not play a corner there at this point because it would be the exact same thing. Um, once again, I am petitioning to please activate Thomas Graham Jr., but I know my request will be denied. Uh, anyway, that's my stocks up, stocks down for this week. Uh, what do you guys think? Any anything I should have, any players I should have mentioned? Again, I try to do different players every single week, which obviously gets hard sometimes, but uh, anything you guys want to add to that? I thought it was so funny when I was like hammering the table for Artie Burns for like weeks <laughs> and the first drive, he just gets absolutely picked on and smoked. Yeah. But again, in his defense, he didn't play a snap of 2020. He tore his ACL or Achilles. One of the two missed the entire season, um, missed most of 2019 to an injury too on the Steelers and then ended up getting benched because he didn't fully recover and then got thrown in last minute to this game against the Lions right away against the only wide receiver that has a decent connection with Jared Goff because Josh Reynolds was in Saint, uh, sorry, was in Los Angeles with Jared Goff for the two years prior. 
or maybe even three. So he did, yes, he did get picked on, but it was the one dude who um, golf had a connection with. And also my defense, yes, Burns also did have a very, very solid game after that first drive. He got his feet wet. He did solid. He had an enormous pass breakup on a third down that killed the drive completely. Um, he made solid tackles. I, he, I don't think he did that bad outside of that like one drive. Like outside of that, he, in my opinion, looked still better than Kendall Vildor. So, I would say his stock is declining with the chance for it to rise again. But it was like here, and it like went here and went all the yep. way down, and it's like kind of came up a little bit, but it's like not really there. It's like kind of. But I was gonna say so that that was I was about to say if he didn't, I was gonna say it would be like it'd be like oh plateau 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 drop down yeah. immediately. Except, except there, then, was no, there was no plateau. He just started here and went pop. <laughs> oh, I meant like plateau. Like he just wasn't doing anything. All you're just uh, oh, oh yeah. he's he's finally gonna play. Let's let's take a step up. Oh no, never mind. You're going straight down. Complete and Yep. And then he went up, he started going up near the end of the game, started getting better as the game went on. Um, I honestly think he's already shown more than Kendall Vildor did all year. Like, hey, at least he didn't have any blown coverages. Kendall Vildor had a few of those already this year. So, yeah, fair enough. Um, but yeah, you said anything to add? Yeah. Well, I'm just going to say I was also one of the ones who clamored and was okay with Kendall Vildor starting, but I was also when the Bears signed Artie Burns in 2023. And you see, I was like, okay, they had a rocky start. In- had a pretty good start in Pittsburgh. Rocky kind of ended Pittsburgh. Was up and down throughout his Steelers tenure. Maybe, just maybe, this is a case where it's a guy who's 26, 27 years old. And you know what? He can turn his career around. I will say this. I totally agree with Sam Stocks. I think that outside of Jalen Johnson, you have to give credit to Travis Gibson, Cole Komet, as well as Darnell Mooney. That 2020 draft class is having a much bigger impact than a lot of people are willing to admit. This is a bit of a bold take here. But I think that the Bears 2020 draft class is amongst the best in the NFL right now in terms of just the level of talent that's consistent we come out of there listen it's been a bit over an hour we've had to use two zoom recordings because there's an issue with zoom but joe i'm gonna go to you on this card score predictions what's one thing you're watching for as well that's tough like we were saying the score prediction is really hard not knowing who's going to be a quarterback for either team so that's a huge impact um also don't even know if colt mccoy is even healthy we might see trace mcsorley playing quarterback for the cardinals um but i'm gonna predict this based on the assumption that Kyler Murray plays and Justin Fields does not. Um, my prediction is 37 to 13. I think we get absolutely blown out of the water. I uh, think their aggressive defense gives our uh, offensive line some trouble. Um, that's I, I was going to touch on that. That's the one thing I'm really watching for. I'm really interested to see how <laughs> well, I'm very interested to see how Matt Nagy does not stop this aggressive defense because they love to blitz. Um, they love to send pressure, and I'm going to love to see how Matt Nagy does not adjust to that and doesn't do max protect or anything like that, and we just see Andy Dalton get killed. Like, as, as horrible as that sounds, I'm very interested to see how Matt Nagy won't do that, even though it's quite obvious how aggressive they are. Um, but regardless, back to the point, I think that the Cardinals don't take their foot off the pedal. I think they want to prove after these past few weeks of just trouble in their games and not looking amazing. Once Kyle Murray's back, I, I think they'll show again that they're one of the top offenses in the league, and they want to just absolutely destroy us and embarrass us. Yeah. I mean, I, 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 again, I do agree with you. This thing could, this score could fluctuate based on Kyler Murray's absence or not. I think he, I think Cliff Kingsbury said that he's hopeful that Murray will play, but obviously I think he's been saying that he's had a bye week to recover now. So I'm going to go into this, assuming he's playing. I have Cardinals 28 bears 17. 
Um, I do think this Bears offense will score, even if it's just a pity touchdown at the end of the game. But ultimately, the Cardinals are just bit better on all three sa- phases of the ball. Uh, the roster is m- much more talented. Kyler Murray, prior to injury, I think was in the MVP conversation. Thing I'm going to be looking for is uh, how will this defense struggle if Roquan Smith cannot play? Um, again, I've talked about it earlier in the podcast, so I'm not going to keep reiterating it. He is the anchor of this defense. He is probably the most important piece of this defense. And when he does not play, this defense takes an absolute drastic turn for the worse. So we'll see what happens. Listen, I'll break down to you what's going to happen. I think we're going to get Kyler Murray and DeAndre Hopkins back on the field. That means the Bears are essentially going to need to play ball control the entire time. How do you keep the hands out of how do you keep the ball out of Kyler Murray's hands? How do you keep the ball out of the Cardinals end zone? Well, you go ball control, right? And so ultimately, when you do that, that means running the football on the field every single play with players like David Montgomery as well as Khalil Herbert use that power running game to your advantage so I think that that's what's going to happen so it's not going to be a complete blowout but I'm going to go Cardinals 31 Bears 17 I think what's going to make the difference in this game regardless of who's at quarterback for the Bears and Cardinals it's going to come down to coaching game planning adjustments and execution who's better in all four phases right there the Cardinals are certainly better with Cliff Kingsbury for those of you wondering I don't think Cliff's leaving Arizona Arizona anytime soon for South Bend, Indiana. He's done so well that I think he's basically guaranteed another three, four, or even five years bearing some big disaster happening. So Cardinals are going to win this one. We got about six games left. So I'm going to make a quick bold prediction here. You guys can fight me on this if you want to for the next three to five minutes. But I think the Bears go four and two down the stretch, guys. You get two losses to the Cards as well as the Packers, but the Bears beat every other team on their schedule. That's two games against the Vikings, a game against the Giants, and then I believe you have a game against the Seattle Seahawks in there. So you have a 4-2 and two record down these final six games of the season, which I think is totally possible, by the way. And if that happens, I think there's a legitimate chance that they would make the playoffs in turn. And listen, I would love to watch Justin Fields in a playoff game as a rookie. I would love for him to get that experience. But again, on paper, the Bears should not win more than two games the rest of this year. And I think that I think they'll tie with Minnesota. I, I think they can beat New York. I said Seattle, but I think Seattle's going to get their rhythm back at this point. Um, I just I don't think New York's that good. And obviously, I'm taking a jab at our folks over at Fireside Giants. But whatever, you guys can deal with it. We've owned you the past few years, so whatever. Um, I don't know. It, it's possible. I mean, I definitely think. It's the easiest half of the Bears schedule at this point, even with the Cardinals and Packers up on the docket. But maybe, <laughs> I guess that's the best way I can say it. I, I, it would be cool, obviously, to watch Fields in a playoff game. I'd root for them. But again, if they make the playoffs, you bring Nagy back. is obviously a concern. Yeah, I was going to say, I don't see a scenario that we – I think the best we can do is 3-3. Three and three. Maybe we beat the Giants and the Seahawks and the Vikings once. Um, I don't see us beating both the Giants and the Seahawks. I think the Giants aren't horrible. And all honesty, I think they're still better than us. And I think that the Seahawks with Russell Wilson are better than us. And Russell Wilson will be fully healed by the time we play him. So I'm, again, I don't, I see no shot. Hopefully it doesn't happen either. Because again, I want Nagy out of here. Yeah, and speaking of getting out of here, we're going to get out of this thing too. Make sure you're following us on Twitter, YouTube, Facebook, TikTok, and Instagram at Fireside Bears. Check out our parent company, Empire Sports Media. Follow myself, Joe, and Sam on Twitter at Joseph Herf NFL at Usaid Kosha, as well as at Chai Sports Sam. Check out all the writing we do, guys, for Fireside Bears, Bear Goggles on, Bear Report. 
check out the youtube channel as well myself and max smith we're working so hard on continuing to go that like subscribe guys rate the podcast five stars subscribe to youtube bear down have a great week stay safe stay warm if you're in the northern part of the country where the cold is continuing to set in we're gonna get out of this thing guys we'll see you guys next week second week of december we'll have another jam-packed show for you bear down guys bear down bear down